0: Hi, and welcome to another great life-impacting message from Bridge Evangelical Christian Church. For more great content and to learn more about our church, visit becc.church. Enjoy. Read in the Bible, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made, that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Everything was made for one pair of hands, because those hands are so strong. So when life goes wrong, put your faith into one pair of hands. Let's pray. Father God, we. We come before you this morning and we just thank you that we can come freely to hear your word, Father. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word. Take away the, the the busyness of the week, Father, and just, Lord, just allow us to focus on your word. We thank you that you will be here amongst us, that your presence will be felt, Father. So, Lord, we do. We just commit this time to you. We give you thanks, the praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Most people here would probably already know that over the last 25 years or or, or more, both Lynn and myself um, have been involved as chaplains with Sports Chaplaincy Australia. And during that time, we have received many awards. In 2007, uh, I was inducted into the Australian Sports Chaplaincy Hall of Fame we've received 10-year awards we've received 20-year awards we've also received an award called the Brian King Award which is one of the most prestigious awards given to sports chaplains but you know what every time that we've received an award we've both been terribly embarrassed and humiliated why because we've never considered chaplaincy and what we do for the Lord to be about us it's not about us we don't do it for our own glory You see if it was about us it wouldn't have lasted five minutes I can tell you that now as chaplains we've always been focused on one thing and one thing alone and that is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. I did a funeral service on Friday. Um, it was a non Christian funeral. And I would say that 90% of the people that were there did not know Jesus Christ or even heard of him. The time they left, they did. The time they left, they did. In Psalm 115, verse 1, we read, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your f- love and faithfulness. If, if you have your Bibles with me, just turn back to our reading this morning from Exodus. Exodus 33, in, in verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. My face must not be seen. You know, if I said to you, um, if I said the names of, say, Peter Brock, Craig Lowndes, Mark Scaife, or Jim Richards, some of you, not all of you, but some of you might think of their greatness when it comes to motor racing. If I said to you the names of Travis Travis Spoke, Robbie Gray, Chad Wingard, Eddie Betts, Taylor Walker, you would think of their greatness as it relates to football. If I said to you the names of Serena Williams, or even our own Ash Barty, or perhaps Roger Federer, you would think of their greatness on the tennis court. Because those are names of people who have excelled in their fields and have become noted for their awesome achievements, true? We celebrate people who have climbed the ladder of what society would call success and we pay homage to them, don't we? We ask for their autograph. They capture our attention when they're on TV or if there's some newsworthy item written about them because they have demonstrated in their particular craft that they are worth extra attention. The process of exalting a person for their achievement is to what? Give them glory. Is to give them glory. That is to give them honour and value based on who they are and what they have done. Over and over and over. In scripture, we're called upon to glorify the glorious God himself. Why? Because unlike these heroes that you may know and celebrate and recognize, God is one of a kind. God himself is one of a kind. You know, if there was a hall of fame for God, he'd be the only one in it make sense? The Bible says over and over and over again that God's nickname description and you know a nickname was often a description of maybe someone or something. For example um, you may call somebody slim because they're skinny. You might call somebody red because they have red hair or blue hair. Bing is a nickname, Bing is not my name. Um, I got that nickname when I was probably six months old in the Auckland hospital. But something went terribly, terribly wrong then with my nickname, because I think I was meant to sing. That didn't happen, that didn't happen. And I think it's a blessing for you fellas that it didn't happen. I, I've been going through the Psalms at, at home and um, there's a few of them that I was really having some problems with. And I was talking to Daryl about it and he said to me, Bing, some of those Psalms need to be sung. I got it. I know now why I can't comprehend it. <laughs> I can't sing. so if you want to give God a nickname if you want to give God a nickname just call him glory just call him glory because over and over and over again that my friends is the descriptive identification of God glory in Psalm 29 we read He is the God of glory. He is the God of glory. In Psalm 8.1, His glory is above the heavens. When you say glory in relationship to God, you're referring to the awesomeness of His being. You're referring to the awesomeness of His being and since every aspect of His being is perfect, Perfect. Everything about him therefore is awesome and is also glorious. Everything about him is awesome and glorious. So therefore he is glorious in everything. When you glorify a person you probably can only glorify them in one or maybe two areas they can't be glorious in everything. You see, you have some athletes that play one sport and then they try to play another sport and they might find that they're not as good in that sport over there as they were in this sport over here. But with God, he is 100% every time because all of his attributes which are the manifestation of his being, are in fact glory us. Glory us. So if you want to call him something, the Bible says, call him glory. Call him glory. Everything, everything in creation exists for the glory of God, including us, including ourselves. Whatever we do, We are to do for the glory of God, whatever we do. We spread the gospel for the glory of God. We obey God's word for the glory of God. We submit to those in authority who are over us and we endure suffering and persecution for the glory of God. But what does it mean to glorify God and how can we become better at doing it? You know, when man boasts about himself, we think he has an ego problem, don't we? And we've all seen people getting up and telling us how good they are. You know, I'm really good. Those guys have got an ego problem, I can tell you. So I'm going to ask you a question here. Do you think it was selfish of God To create us for his glory your answer to that question may reveal what you think about god if you think it was selfish of him i believe it's a sign that you may not truly appreciate who he is and what he has done for us see his selfishness was shown in the loving act of sending his only son into the world to die for us Would a selfish God give himself for what he has created? No. He didn't have to do anything for us. He could have let justice fall and we would never have been able to experience the joy of knowing him. But we were created not just to glorify him, but to have an intimate relationship with him. We were created to glorify him, but also to have an intimate relationship with him. We are to glorify him because we can never, never repay what he has done for us. And as Stuart has told us this morning around the Lord's table, we can never repay what he's done for us. You know, the reason for our existence is to know and to glorify God. That's what we're here for. We're here to know and to glorify God. That's why we're put on this earth. The reason that for creation, for everything, as we've seen in some of these paintings there that we call paintings, um, is that God may be glorified through all this. God may be glorified. The purpose of the universe is to create a a, a theatre, in which God can redeem a humanity who will be drawn into his presence to glorify him forever and ever and ever. And that, my friends, is what will happen when we enter the kingdom of God. Everything is about glorifying God. The heavens declare God's glory. You know, there's only two kinds of people in this world. The people who glorify God and the people who don't. People who glorify God will end up in heaven. People who don't glorify God will end up in hell. Glorifying God is the purpose of everything. It amazes me, you know, if I said... Um, to you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go on a, on a cruise ship, QE2, okay? You can go on that first class, you can have everything, you can have all the food, all the wine, you can have a ball on that, and we're going to cruise the world forever. We're going to see God's creation out there. Or I could say, we can going out into the Simpson Desert, right in the middle of the desert, on a 50 degree day in the middle of summer, no tent. No water, no food. What would you choose? You'd have to choose the cruise ship, wouldn't you? You'd have to. That's like choosing God's heaven. What God is offering us up there is absolutely unreal compared to what is down there. I can't see it as choosing anything but that. And glorifying God and all that is the purpose for everything. You know, it's a tragic thing not to glorify God. It's really a tragic thing not to glorify God. Just think of Herod, King Herod, great guy. He wanted to glorify himself. He wanted to glorify himself. So he declared a Herod day. We're going to have a Herod day, okay? Okay. He's going to do it in this big amphitheater. He's going to put on his royal robes. He's going to elevate himself up on the throne. And all the people are going to hail him as he gives a speech. And the people respond by saying, it's the voice of God, not man. It's the voice of God. And you know, this is just what Herod wanted to hear. This is exactly what King Herod wanted to hear. And this is how his day ended. And the Lord struck him, and he was eaten by worms and died. I said to my wife, Don't you ever let me have a Bing day. She said, You have one every day. <clears throat> Not exactly the planned end of Herod's day, is it? Why? because he did not give glory to God he did not give the glory to God he wanted it all for himself remember also in the fourth chapter of Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar he tried to take glory for himself he tried to stand up there and say look what I've done I've done this look what I've done And God turned him into a beast for years and made him eat grass until he honoured and glorified God. But you may ask, well, well, how do we do that? How practically do I live a life for the glory of God? How can I be so that I can praise his glory? It is to the praise of his glory that, as we read in Ephesians 1, that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. It is to praise his glory that he loved us, that he adopted us, that he instructed us as he gave us truth. He gave us truth. It is to the praise of his glory that he sealed us with his Holy Spirit under an eternal hope and an unending inheritance. It is to the praise of his glory that he has done all these things. And you know, I cannot add to his innate glory. I cannot add to the attribute. But I can give him honour that he is due. I can give him the honour he is due how do i do that well the first way that we glorify god and listen to this the first way that we glorify god is by confessing jesus christ as lord that my friends is the very first way that you will glorify god is confessing jesus christ as lord we read in philippians 2 5 to 11 Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ who being in every nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made him nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Every knee shall bow to the glory of God. To the glory of God. You know, you cannot glorify God unless you start by confessing Jesus as Lord. That is the starting point. That is the starting point. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth while believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. You shall go and walk on the streets of gold. You shall be saved. In Corinthians 12, verse 3, no man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. See, this is the foundation of glorifying God. You can't honour the Father unless you give honour to the Son. John MacArthur said you can't affirm God unless you affirm the Son. He is Lord, He is the only Saviour, the only Redeemer. There is not one person in history of this world who can glorify God at all apart from acknowledging Jesus as Lord. No one, no one. That is the foundation, the foundation. Glorifying God is confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. The supreme purpose in life for any man and woman born into this world is to glorify God. You're born into this world to glorify God. That's what you're here for. That's what we're here for. MacArthur suggests some practical ways that a Christian to glorify God And the first one, he says, that we must confess our sin. We have to confess our sin. Confessions of sins glorifies God. Because if you excuse your sin, you absolve yourself from the responsibility and you blame God for letting you get into the mess and for what you're doing wrong. Adam illustrates this, and I'm talking about Adam and Eve here. Um, When God confronted him, what was his excuse? What was Adam's excuse here? Yeah. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave it to me from the tree. But I ate it. I ate it. He was practically saying you did it, God. You did it. If you hadn't given me this woman, none of this would have ever happened. I could have expanded on that, but I was too frightened. to. If you hadn't have given me this woman, none of this would have happened. To do that, my friends, to do that is to blame God and assign the guilt to him But you know what? God is never at fault when we sin. God is never at fault when we sin. Implying that he is somehow responsible maligns his holiness. So those who try to sneak out from under the absolute responsibility for their own sin, they commit a grievous sin against the glory of God. You know, we're so good at justifying our own sin, aren't we? We're pretty good at justifying that. But when we do, we we commit a grievous sin against the glory of God. In John 1-9, to if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess means to agree with God that sin is all our fault and that we need to repent and we need to do something about it. To confess means to agree with God that sin is all our fault, not his, ours, And we need to do something about it. Now that act alone glorifies God. By doing that, that glorifies God. We don't have to beg for forgiveness because he is faithful and just to forgive us as soon as we agree with him. He is faithful and just to forgive us as soon as we agree with him. In John fifteen eight says, and Jesus told his disciples, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit that you bear much fruit. Why? Because then the world can see the result of a spirit-filled life. That is what we're here for. We're here to put God on display. God on display to the world and to glorify Him. Colossians 1.10 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, Bearing fruit in every good work. Good works are fruit. What we're doing as chaplains is fruit. Good works are fruit. When we live a life of good works, the world will see and glorify the Father in heaven. People out there are watching you. They're watching everything you do. And when we do good works for God, then we glorify God. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honours me. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honours me. You know, praise, praise honours God. And one way to praise God is to give him the credit for everything. I praise God every day for what he's given me. I praise him for my home. I praise him for my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I praise God for that because I know I would have nothing, and I mean it, I would have nothing if it wasn't for God. And in so doing that, you become content. You become content with your life. We may be discontent about ourselves and about our circumstances, but at the end of the day, who made us? God. And He promises to supply all our needs. He promises to supply all our needs. When we are content, we acknowledge God's sovereignty in our lives and that, my friends, gives Him glory. When we are content, we acknowledge God's sovereignty in our lives and that gives him glory. If we're not, if we are discontent, it's the same as questioning God's wisdom and that definitely, definitely doesn't give him glory. You are discontent with your life, and what's happening with you. You're questioning God's wisdom and that definitely doesn't give God glory. Paul testified, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In Philippians 4.11, Paul was confident that God would use all things, poverty and abundance, comfort and pain. Again, in Romans 8.28, Paul didn't say, I will give glory in spite of my pain. No, no, no. He said, I will give glory because of it. I will give glory because of it. Friends, glorifying God means that we praise him with absolute contentment, knowing that our lot, what we're going through right now, is God's plan for us now. It's God's plan for us right now. Glorifying God means that to praise him with absolute contentment is knowing that this is God's plan for us. John 14 verse 13 says, Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may be glorified, that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Jesus' name signifies all that he is and all that he would want. Praying in his name means praying in accordance with his character and his will. And you know, God delights to reveal his glory in answered prayer. He really gets a kick out of answered prayer. He delights in that. And that is why he commands us to pray, so that he can show us his greatness, and we can give him the praise that he's really, really worthy to receive in 2nd Thessalonians Paul wrote brothers pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just that it did also with you how was the word glorified through those believers because they heard it and they believed it they heard it and they believed it they trusted Christ and you know what happened They were born again. They were born again. And God got the glory. God got the glory for that. Presenting the word clearly, accurately, always gives God the glory. Always gives God the glory. And we honour him by making his word known to our families, to to everybody we know. And that's how we honour him. And when we live to glorify God, he responds by giving us overwhelming joy. Overwhelming joy. You can say, well, I have a tough life or I just don't have any joy in my life. May I suggest the answer to that? Joy does not always make sorrow, discouragement and pain or failure go away. But I'll tell you what, Christians can experience a supernatural joy even in the midst of all those things. In fact, sin, sin is ultimately the only thing that can steal a Christian's joy. Sin is the only thing that can ultimately steal a Christian's joy. And when our joy begins to fade, it's a sure sign that encroaching sin and unbelief is on its way. What can we do in times like that? Get down on our knees and confess any sin in our lives. We need to pray with David in Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Then we yield to the Holy Spirit. You know what? Joy returns. Joy will return in our life. Jesus desires that his joy remains in us. That's Jesus' desire for us. He desires that his joy will remain in us. In John 15:11. His joy that we know in part now is what we will know perfectly in heaven. The joy that we feel now, we will know perfectly when we get into heaven. I think that's the greatest promise in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 We shall always be with the Lord. We shall always be with the Lord. That, my friends, is perfect joy. Perfect joy. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do, we thank you for all that you've given to us, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who who died on the cross and rose again after three days, Father. We thank you for the joy that we can find in knowing him, Father. We thank you for all that you have blessed us with through Jesus Christ, Father. And Lord, we just praise that you would just continue to work in our lives, Father, continue to bless us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, just be with us in times of trouble, Father. When we do not feel your joy, Lord, Father, I just pray that you would just reach down and just touch our hearts, Father, and fill us once again with your joy and your love. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.